Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we talk about games. Borderlands 2, the One Life Hardcore Edition. And we look at the new zombie shooter, Dying Light. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. And with me today, I have Darren McGee. So we just got done recording the 50th episode of the Hardware Asylum Podcast. Woohoo! 50 episodes! Yay! And I thought it would be kind of cool to bring the extra into the 50th realm, even though it's not the 50th extra, <laughs> and uh, and kind of talk about games, since games is a popular topic in oh our extras. Oh my gosh, we love talking about games. And you know why? Because what good is it to be an enthusiast if you can't at least push your machine a little bit? And you can't always be pouring LN2. No, no. You can game on a system that's cooled by LN2, but it's not very sustainable. It's Heck kind of yeah. expensive. So we have these great machines, and we love to play games on them. And what do we love to play? Uh, I've been playing SimCity, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, uh, Extra, and uh, a little bit of Borderlands. So you're totally pushing your machine. I mean, totally. Oh, totally. I mean, the fan (laughs) might spin up. And I have been playing Dying Light and Battlefield 4. So a little bit of change there. Yeah, I've, uh, I kind of want to get on the Dying Light uh, train, but I'm looking for a more inexpensive version of the game. I know it goes on sale like secretly all the time, and I just need to grab one of those. It's all about timing, and it might be fun to play in co-op. But I know that you have also been spending some time looking at some fun Borderlands 2 stuff, so share. Yeah, I as I've mentioned before uh, in previous podcasts, I watch several um, variety streamers on Twitch, one of my favorite ones to follow is uh, Mr. Admiral Ballroo. Oh. Kind of a, a, a young kid. I, I say young kid just because he's younger than I am. <laughs> uh, he's around, what, 25 or something like that. Um, loves playing games. And he has racked up an insanely huge amount of time in Borderlands 2. Wow. And uh, as you and I both know, we've played a lot of Borderlands 2. And it kind of gets, it's fun. It has a lot of replayability. But uh, it gets old uh, after a while. It does. And I think we've talked about this a little bit, but yeah, it's kind the, of the new one hasn't really had the hook. Yeah, the, the pre-sequel is just kind of, it's a very unsuccessful DLC, which happens to be a game. But, uh, you know, uh, at the time of this recording, PAX East had happened. And right. Gearbox had mentioned that the new DLC is going to be um, basically the mind of Claptrap. I'm intrigued. The Claptastic Voyage, I think, (laughs) is what they call it. So uh, it might be kind of fun. It's coming out on the 24th, which will be the day that this podcast launches, hopefully. Cross your fingers. Yay. Knock on wood. wood. So uh, Mr. Ballroom, who has, uh, what, three or 4,000 hours into Borderlands 2, according to his Steam profile. Holy cow. But, you know, he uses it as... um, as content for his first Twitch channel. And, you know, he has almost 100,000 followers. Uh, he's Twitch partnered, so, you know, he has to come up with something every day. And oh, he's, uh, so he's actually making a living of this, maybe. Yeah. Well, I would, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a lot with the game in terms of looking at the mechanics, uh, like the best weapons, the best weapon parts, best ways to go after certain raid bosses. Um, you know, he has a, a series, uh, several series on YouTube. One of them is... Uh, the 10 things you didn't know about Borderlands 2, which is kind of a fun thing to watch if you wanted to learn a little bit about mechanics. Like, uh, for instance, if there's an enemy directly above you, guess what? You can melee him, regardless what? of how high they are. I did not know that. Yeah. In any event, he loves the game. And uh, 
he's been trying to add some variety to it. So he created what he calls uh, a hardcore mode or a one life mode. And this is a, a mode where you start at level zero at the f- first part of the game and you run through the game and try to figure out how far you can make it without dying. Interesting. Tell me more. Well, there is some rules on that have been created on the Gearbox, uh, no, the Steam community forum. I think there's some on the Gearbox forums as well. This is one I found. Um, so it goes, most complete full story line with one life. Uh, fight for your life is allowed, but respawn is denied. So if you happen to go into a respawn mode, then you have to delete your character. And that's actually the second one. And oh my gosh, so you're actually, oh, wow, <laughs> you get one shot. You get one shot. I, yeah. Somehow that just seems so extreme. I I guess I should have got that from the title. Yeah. It's, and uh, this is in hardcore too. Well, it's a hardcore mode. So um, being that uh, one of the game mechanics is if you die, you have to spend some money and get respawned. Right. Well, in this particular scenario, if you happen to respawn, you have to delete your character and start all over again. And this happens a lot with the guys that stream so that they can broadcast it to people and sure. get to play. Um, let's see. The next part is you must start from level one. It makes sense. Uh, it says regen buffs are allowed, so you can use uh, any of your health regen relics, uh, the moxie weapons, right. stuff like that. Oh, that helps. No power leveling or farming for XP, which it's kind of... Um, this is one of the things that Admiral Baru uh, doesn't prescribe to in his One Life challenges. Um, this is basically adds a bit more difficulty to it. So you can't go back and play, uh, you know, shoot uh, boom boom for experience to get mm-hmm. up to level seven because that's pretty easy to do. Right, right. Or, you know, farming for the sand hog or the bee or something. Yeah. And the idea is that as you're playing the game, it drops. Mm-hmm. Um, Next one on this list is uh, baddest ranks are disabled, and this helps to level the playing field. So the folks that have been playing for a long time have a lot of baddest rank. They have extra perks on their skills. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you can get a pretty big starting advantage from your badass rank perks. Mm -hmm. Of course, glitches, um, hacks, and exploits are denied, so you can't use cheat engine or uh, do the bloodshot stronghold skip to go and get past Mad Mike. Well, that makes sense. And then once you have completed the first playthrough, you continue with the next playthrough. And you basically do this until you happen to die in the with, game. With the goal being to get through all three playthroughs. Mm-hmm. And that, this is not side quests and extra boss fights, right? This is just the core storyline. Uh, this set of rules that I found on the Steam community forums it kind of alludes to that it's just the main story quest. Okay. Now, um, Admiral Balru's creation of One Life is basically kind of following these same rules. But he adds the point in there where you can farm for certain gear. So okay. if, you, if you know it drops from a certain boss, you can actually go back and play that boss. The idea is that you can go into fight for your life, but if you respawn, then you die. You can save and quit as long as you aren't in a firefight. Makes so, sense. So if you clearing out Bloodshot Stronghold, for instance, and everybody's killed in that region, you can actually save and quit. It's not a very... Um, good time to save and quit because you need to get to the end to be, uh, be able to... Sure, but I got you. It lets you walk away so you don't have to do it in one sitting. Right. Uh, he has the health buffs so you can use um, the boxy weapons and stuff like that. Uh, there was another version of this that was also on the Steam 
um, community forums that kind of mixed up the rules a bit. And like one of them was that you could use moxie weapon or you couldn't use moxie weapons with the grog nozzle, which kind of makes sense because you get a lot of health regen off of that. Right. Um, Admiral Balro uses the grog nozzle with his gunzerker all the time because that gives you that extra health boost. Sure. And of course the ammo too, mm-hmm. from being the, the berserker. Yeah. So definitely an advantage there. Mm-hmm. Uh, see this other set of rules says that you can't use the infinity pistol, which kind of makes sense. Um, the no glitches is obvious the that's for the single player. And then in the multiplayer, it gets a little bit more difficult in Ooh, that multiplayer. Yeah. So it says here, like you can't use the siren res ability. Ouch. But in uh, Admiral Balru's latest uh, one life, that is the one that we're kind of talking about in this particular episode. Um, it was a gunzerker and a siren and they actually use the res ability. So that, you know, you go into fight for your life and you can actually pop somebody and bring them back up. Well, that speeds it up too because you get a faster turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in this one, it was um, uh, basically if one player in your party dies, they have to delete their character, but the rest of the players can actually continue on. Oh no, it's an attrition game all of a sudden. Yeah. But in uh, Admiral Balro's one, he basically said, well, if somebody dies in our party, either um, Ryoko or himself, then they have to start over completely. The whole team? Yeah, the whole team. Okay, so it's a team effort at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah, it's kind of in the flavor of this one life challenge, the way that they have outlined it. Uh, and of course, these rules are just set so that people can follow them. Something to follow. Uh, some of the optional ones here are just, in a sense, to make it more difficult, saying that no DLC items, so you can't use the Sandhawk, for instance. Uh, no Sandhawk, that is an <laughs> obvious one. No Bee Shield, no Norfleet which would be kind of hard to get in a one life because you have to go after uh, Vermi. And then like no legendaries, no pearls, you know, stuff like that. Just a, in a way it's adding a bit more difficulty to a game that you could just sit down and play and do whatever you want. Right. So the way that Admiral Balru has taken this approach is that he's playing the game in a one life situation. So all the DLC is open, right? He knows what quests he needs to go after to get uh, certain weapons. You know, he can do a little bit of farming, farm for XP in easy areas. Um, and in previous ones, he was doing this as himself. So it was all a solo. And he thought that he could do a one life from zero to OP eight with Creek. Okay. Which is uh, kind of difficult. Yeah. He's a tougher player. Yeah. Less experience for most folks too. Mm-hmm. And uh, in his, the latest run that he did with Creek, he made it all the way to OP8, and he actually highlighted that on a YouTube video. Nice. But then when he was going after the raid bosses, because he needed to do all seven of the major raid bosses, he died to a crab. Oh. Which is like one of the little sub-characters in there, right? Oh, no. So he decided that he was going to raise the bar a bit and get through the One Life Challenge. So he planned to do a gun circer and then have his uh you know work partner ryoko mm-hmm. um run as a siren and basically it's the the ballroom's running the thing he's the gun circuit going out and blasting everybody and sure she's playing support i got it playing support they made it through oh and here's the plan is that they were going to go through um vault hunter mode true vault hunter mode ultra vault hunter ultimate vault hunter uvhm <laughs> 
And then through all of the OP levels, so that's Dizzy Struck Peak eight times, and then reset and then run through the entire game again at OP8. Wow. And since you have to, and the, the purpose of the last OP8 run is to go and hit all seven of the raid bosses. So that means running through the main story quest until you get to Terramorphus. Right. Kill Terramorphus. And then go through the pirate DLC to get to... Um, Leviathan? Well, Leviathan is just kind of the end, but you want Pyrocaustic Pete? No. Oh, Pete. No, Pete is in um, Torque. Mm-hmm. But no, you have to get to uh, Master Gi. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Master Gi's one of them. And then there was another raid boss in there. I forget which one it is, but Master Gi was one of them. Pyrocaustic Pete, uh, he's a tough boss. The, uh, the crown jewel was going after Veracitus, and that's in the... Um, Sir Hamelock DLC. And basically once and Veracitus is probably the hardest uh, raid boss out of the entire game. Uh, he famously talked to one of the developers and they said, well, we created Veracitus as difficult as he is <laughs> to give you a challenge. Oh no. And, he, and there was a video on that and he said, yeah, that was the reason he was created. So kind of, you know, credit where credit's due, right? Nice. And uh, he also posted soloing Veracidus with his Gunzerker character. So obviously it wasn't that tough, right? <laughs> well, practice makes perfect. Yeah. And I still have yet to go through the Veracidus fight without dying. So it, he's a tough boss. It's, you have to be perfect spec. You have to have perfect gear. And then you basically have to know that the mechanics of how that boss works to be able to get through it. So, uh, today, as of this recording, uh, he made it through all the playthroughs, all the OP eight levels all of the DLCs through OP8 plus the main game. And he finished off with uh, killing off Rastus. Very nice. Yeah. Mission and, accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished. And this is something that he's been doing for like a year now. So it's kind of a, a really big deal, uh, at least to him. But uh, I kind of wanted to get your take on what you think of like creating these sort of hardcore challenges and games that we're familiar with and, you know, what that brings to the games. I really like the idea of throwing out challenges, especially to the community. It gives new life to older games, mm-hmm. and especially a game that you feel like you have some mastery of. So, you know, we talked about trying to play Borderlands with just single make guns, for example. So we were already kind of talking about ways to do this, but mm-hmm. this is definitely taking that, formalizing it, throwing it out to the community, and just kind of saying, hey, this is something that you should challenge yourself with to see if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the, you know, he's created a lot of challenges like this. And, um, you know, the, the one life challenge is one that him and a bunch of other borderlands two streamers had also done you sure. know, like uh, master overkill or, um, goth. I forget his name now. I'm going to actually get, probably get some hate mail off of that oh, one. Oh, no. But, yeah, he always called them goth. But, yeah, they um, they would actually get together and do, like, um, one-life challenges all the time and kind of see how far they could get. Some of them wouldn't be able to get to true Vault Hunter mode. And um, as more DLC got added, it added more challenge to it. Well, as you know, we have talked about some of the fun stuff that I've done with my clan in Battlefield 4, trying to launch the wraps up to the top of the buildings and that sort of stuff. And... I think you don't have to look much further really than YouTube and you look for 
some of the videos for funny challenges and griefing and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I can remember back in the original Battlefield 2 days, we used to take our clan and we were large enough to overwhelm a server and we would all play snipers. And our entire goal was just to get all along the walls of the valley maps and just snipe everything that moved. And it was very entertaining to see if you could win a map without doing anything but sniping. Yeah, and that's, you know, it adds fun to the game. You know, it it does kind of grief a little bit when you're in a multiplayer situation like that. Sure, but you have to adapt. I mean, people are not used to playing in that situation in the multiplayer world. Mm -hmm. So you have to find a way to do it. It's not really that different than joining a server with an expert helicopter pilot, for example, and adjusting your game to it. The only difference is in a single player or solo game like this, you really challenge yourself against the way the game was built. Mm -hmm. So it's a very pure element of the challenge. And I like that because it, it doesn't depend on anyone else and you don't have to have perfect circumstances. And in this case, some of the challenge comes from the randomness of the drops. I mean, you might not get a good drop your entire run. Yeah. And he spent uh, a lot of time, you know, this is a, I'm going to say like a week and a half or two weeks that he was running through this latest one life challenge. Right. Some of the days were just farming. So they would say, well, we need to get pimpernels. We need perfect parted, you know, certain parted pimpernels. They call them perfect parts. (laughs) Perfect. And then they need them in all the different elements and they need a certain prefix on it. So they would, when they would do the, the read only farming. So they would set their game safe to read only go in, turn in the quest. And if they got the, um, the Pimpernel that they wanted in the element that they wanted with all the parts that they wanted, then they could go and put it in the box and then the box would actually save it in a separate file. Mm -hmm. So then they would go and do it again until they got the the other weapon that they wanted. Mm -hmm. And they did that for a lot of items where it was a single reward quest. So you couldn't do it over and over and Mm -hmm. over. So like Sandhawk was one of them. Um, Beast Shield's not necessarily one like that, but the farming of it takes a while. Yes, it does. You can go after Hunter Hellquest. That's the famous one that we you can get in-game. You can also get it in the Tiny Tina DLC by going after some imps or something like that. So he spent a lot of time actually farming for certain parted equipment. And as they were playing the game, they would like, it might drop a legendary. And then he would, as a way to keep his chat engaged, he would say, oh, well, this is a, a lucky, you know, a lucky drop or something like that. And he would keep it with him. Um, you know, and then he would interact with chat. He really made it kind of a very enjoyable experience, something that you really wanted to watch. Well, yeah, community building. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's one of the huge advantages of having Twitch and all of these new community tools around that, that we didn't used to have. I remember uh, when speed runs first got popular, I mean, you literally had to go out and find somebody that had uploaded videotape that had been <laughs> been taken with a steady cam, you know, a, yeah. an actual digital camcorder over their shoulder. Mm-hmm. So it's really remarkable how technology has enabled this kind of community sharing. And that's, I think, what makes these challenges successful. Yeah. Speaking of speedrunning, that was another thing that uh, Balru was doing. He was teaming up with a couple of other people that were speedrunning Borderlands 2, trying to right. add a little bit more difficulty to it. And um, his favorite character was Gage. And then he would down version Borderlands 2 to a previous version of the game that had a lot more glitches. Okay, yeah. So, of course, speedrunning is all about how fast you can get through the game. Sure. So with Gage, he would run through and he would get to like a video that would play. And then he would save and quit. And that way the video wouldn't have to play and he wouldn't have to have that amount of um, time added to his gameplay. And then he would come back and go off and actually start doing the mission and stuff like that. 
um, he would finish uh, boom boom for instance save and quit go back and actually farm for experience so that he was at a certain level before he could go and exit um, you know claptrap's place okay and then when you get to sanctuary the idea is that you get there at level 10 because that is when rocket launchers drop oh and there's a glitch in the game where if you get a flat off rocket launcher you can have infinite ammo and nice. It, and then in the previous version as well, you could stack that infinite ammo. So if you had a double barrel shotgun that had the little X2 at the end, right? you could have infinite ammo across both of them. Otherwise, it'd just add one shell to it. If you had a quad, then you do it four times and you could use four bullets. Um, and then with if you use like a, a Jacob shotgun as fast as you can click the trigger... With infinite ammo, you can just click all you want. It's basically spamming out pellets Ooh, everywhere. Very nice. I could see some fun macroing with my rocket mouse on that one. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the the rules of the speedrunning were pretty clear in that you couldn't do macros. Oh. Um, so unfortunate. They're there. on to me. <laughs> yeah. But, and it's all about, um, you know, personal, uh, you know, what you can bring to it. You know, your particular level of skill and how fast mm-hmm. you can get through stuff. Well, I agree. And even with the the challenges of playing with a single life it really is a question of how pure do you want it to be i mean maybe you farm maybe you don't but i can easily see that now that he's completed it looking for another way to amp up the challenge or change it to make it more difficult or more interesting for the next run yeah and yeah what the borderlands 2 is what two and a half years old now so um the fact that he was able to play that game and be successful at it for that amount of time and not have it get completely and totally old, which, you know, he complains about on his streams. <laughs> yeah. I need to go play something else like Destiny or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just like us talking about playing Borderlands and it's like, no, we're done. You know, we can only go and kill raid bosses for so <laughs> long before it gets boring. Yeah, but we do still revisit it on occasion, which is the mark of a really great game. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, I mean, there aren't a lot of old games that people go back to. So this is the kind of thing that I think draws people back to it. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not going to play certainly the curiosity of, of how are they doing it and what's what's the technology behind it what's the formula what's the perfect item is enough to make the game fresh again if you're interested in any of these like hardcore sort of modes i would definitely suggest you check out admiral baru's youtube page i'll put a link in the show notes and uh yeah if you really want to try it send us an email let us know how far you made it Earlier, Darren was talking about how he's playing some Battlefield 4 and a new game called Dying Light. Yeah, you know, it's been a while since I've had a new game that intrigued me enough that I wanted to pick it up early. Mm -hmm. And Dying Light's still a pretty hot game out there. And I know it's been on sale a little bit. So if you are watching this and you're curious, you can get it for, you know, low $30 range if you're patient. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I think I've got like probably 13 hours into it, which is unusual for me. Yeah. Well... As we all know, as gamers, um, there's very rare, very rare that there's going to be an original game style. So Right, I agree. So in terms of Dying Light, from what I know about it, it's basically three games kind of combined together. Oh, well, let's see what you got. So we got Mirror's Edge for the free running aspect okay, of it. Okay, yeah, or parkour. Yeah, and we also have um, like a Killing Floor, which is kind of a zombie-based killer multi co-op sort of game okay yeah i can see that and then we also have uh dead island yes and dead which island is, sur- is survival 
Right. And Dead Island is, and Dead Island 2, are the previous efforts from the same studio that mm-hmm. brought Dying Light out. So that's a very apropos. So I would suggest that maybe it's a little simpler than that in that if you're familiar with uh, the Assassin's Creed series, mm-hmm. or Dishonored is a very similar style, um, that that's a, a better example of the parkour element or the uh, the free-running element. Mm-hmm. So what Dying Light is, without spoiling the storyline for anybody that would be picking it up is essentially you've got a world that for whatever reason explained in the game uh has had a virus release so they don't really refer to the bad guys as zombies they're infected Ooh, okay so you got your garden level zombies essentially and Mm -hmm. then you have uh several specialty types but what i like about the game uh is that you have these I mean, it's a pretty big open world, which is why it reminds me a lot of the Assassin's Creed games. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that have played Dishonored, it's a very similar style. So you've got a really, a pretty tremendous draw distance. I mean, there's a lot of world there. And I'm not going to tell you it's infinite or even the biggest open world that I've been in. But it's an impressive amount of buildings. It sort of reminds me of the shantytown levels in Medal of Honor. It's a, it's a similar style. Okay. So is it kind of like an infinite load like you would get in um, Crisis, for instance? Yes. And in fact, uh, it that's probably what requires a more beefy machine. Now, I'm running a 3770K with two 770s and SLI. So it's it's a pretty beefy machine, but it's not high-end. And I've got, I think, 16 gigs of RAM. And I do notice a little bit of, I wouldn't call it tearing so much, but maybe motion blur when you first start to really get moving. But the machine recovers. And the reason I find that not to be a negative is because when you look at how much of the world is being drawn and at what detail, I mean, you got flies buzzing around, you got lens flares, the whole nine yards. It's beautiful. I mean, it is one of the best-looking games for a dreary zombie game. That's <laughs> saying a lot. Yeah. But the style of play is open world, so there's no loads really at all unless you go into a building or into a cutscene. Okay. So um, from what I gather, there's basically two game modes. There's day mode and then there's night mode. And, right. And at night, you have the infected that come out mm-hmm. after you, and you have to basically do the... Um, I am legend sort of thing where you got to defend, <laughs> defend your, your place, right? Oh, I am legend. That's a great apropos. Yeah. The book is better by the way, even <laughs> if it's a little dated, but anyway, long story short, the game really does have what's like two separate models. So you've got a town that's overrun by these different groups of survivors. And the storyline really is dependent a lot on how you interact with the different types of folks and you know, obviously you're going to side with one side or the other, and I won't spoil that for you, but you got warlords and you got the do-gooders and then you got the just leave me alone folks. And they all gave you different types of quests. So you got a main storyline, you got side stories, and you can kind of proceed at your own pace. But you've got a lot of real-time elements that are happening too. So you're you're out there playing and the daylight it, it's it's not real time, of course. So mm-hmm. um, your day and night cycle happens fairly quickly. And it's probably an hour of gameplay. And what happens is the lighting effect really changes. And as it gets darker, the zombies get more active. But when it actually hits the night in the game, and it will warn you, like you've got uh, an actual real time, hey, you need to find shelter because night is coming thing that's going on that really builds that mm-hmm. that sense of dread up. And there are also some areas that are, dark 
all of the time, tunnels and that sort of thing. And this is where the big nasty infecteds are. I would say they're like bosses. But the night gameplay is very different. So we've talked a lot about the day gameplay, which is where you'll spend the majority of your time unless you're crazy. Yeah, going after like quests Uh and finding food and stuff like that. But what the game does is it encourages you to play in this very dangerous nighttime by doubling all your experience that you get. Hmm. So you can earn experience in your survivor mode by completing quests. You can earn experience in combat by uh, combat. And you can earn experience by free running in agility. And you'll earn different abilities and you have a fairly open skill tree now it's not huge Mm -hmm. like there's a crafting tree also but it's also not huge so you don't have to be into crafting or into the the light rpg elements to really enjoy the game but you get the extra experience at night but at night the game sort of reminds me almost of like um you know you're playing as solid snake in the latest metal gear (laughs) because you can't see the bad guys but the big bad guys on your map will show up with, uh, I would say maybe it's a vision cone or a, an alert cone, mm-hmm. and you can watch them. And it reminds me of the map mode in a lot of games, but especially in that, where if you watch where they're looking, you can time your movements in between them so that you don't alert them or that you can get behind them and attack them if you're strong enough, which yeah. I am not. <laughs> now, it's important also to note that the game is based primarily around hand-to-hand combat. There are guns, but I'm 13 hours into this thing, and I have found one assault rifle, no ammo for it, and one pistol that was a quest item that I had to give up. Wow, that is very surprising, actually, because every zombie game that I've played, weapons are always, like, in the forefront. You have, like, crappy, you know, hand-to-hand ones like Mm -hmm. axes and sledges and stuff like that, and then you get shotguns later on, which have a different amount of effectiveness well and that's kind of why i wanted to bring that up because the game really encourages hand-to-hand in fact weapons wear out fairly quickly only have a limited amount of repair so there's got to be kind of a constant churn of finding and improving and repairing your weapons mm-hmm. and you can upgrade them that's where the crafting element comes from yeah and that's also the dead island sort of um exactly because mm-hmm. you know you run through there and you you have a shovel and your shovel will wear out and then you have to pick up a, a propane tank or something like right. that right And that's where the other element comes into play. Now, we've talked about the light cycle and the parkour, but we haven't talked about the sound, and that's where this game really excels. Now, it's no secret I have a really good pair of 5.1, 7.1 headphones from Corsair. Love them. Absolutely critical for this kind of game because the zombies and the ambient noise is amazing. And sometimes the sound is the only warning you get that there are infected around you, especially at night, because you're working off of a little flashlight and the minor zombies, the the base bad guys, don't show up on your map. Oh, that's uh, interesting. So you can turn around right into them. In fact, I was playing with my son and he had the headphones on, was just listening, and I'm all just da di da di da, just trying to jump here and there. And I got attacked and I didn't even know it because I didn't have the headphones on. Mm-hmm. So I had to fight this thing off of me. But It's especially important when you're using firearms or explosives or anything that makes noise in the game is that it attracts the boss level or the more intelligent infected to you. So noise attracts the big bad guys. And some of them are aggressive and you can get overwhelmed very quickly. So there are times when you need to make noise or where you blow up. Our propane tank is a great example. And there are bad guys that will explode. And when they do... 
you have to immediately look for cover or high ground so you can defend yourself in case you attract those infected. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of gunfire. You would think that that would be great, but there's just not a lot of ammo in this world, which is not that unrealistic if you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're scavenging and you're finding you know lead pipes and stuff to attack with, but not everybody's going to have a military assault rifle hidden under their bed. <laughs> and when they do, finding the right ammo for it is challenging. Now, I'm told that as the game progresses, that gets a little bit easier. Right. But at the point I'm at right now, I honestly don't want to use a gun because I'm afraid I'll get overwhelmed. And that sense of dread and terror, especially at night, that I might turn around right into an infected is something that the game does better than any game I've ever played. Wow. So you haven't played any co-op then, right? It's no. all been single player at this point? Yeah. In fact, you unlock the co-op fairly early. And I just think that is a cool concept because you can have a buddy in there with you and you're doing your parkour thing and you're running the missions together. Mm-hmm. And that's very neat. But there's also a mode where you can play as one of these big bad guys, the super infected. And you can actually play against players. Oh, so that's going to be like an evolved thing now. So we're, mm-hmm. what, seven game likes now. Yeah. So a different style of gameplay. It's a little kind of shoehorned on. I wouldn't say that I want to play it all the time. But some of that is I don't have a lot of friends that play that I want to jump into their game and beat them up as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, it is definitely intriguing. Yeah. Well, I am definitely, you know, based off of what we've talked about before and your descriptions now, I think I'm going to have to go out and look for that one and at least put it in the Steam library. Absolutely. It's the first time in a long time that I've picked up a game and truly found myself wanting to find time to play it in big chunks. And that hasn't happened in a while. So check it out. I hope you enjoy it too. And maybe we'll see you online. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on HardwareAsylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS, now available on iTunes. Join us on Facebook or follow us on Google. This has been an Ninja Lane production, copyright 2014. Thanks for listening.